Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. There's a lot of people that think we need bullet trains in Canada. There's two areas that I hear talked about bullet trains all the time. One of them, of course, is that big corridor through uh, Ontario and up to Montreal, right? That's a big one. Lots of people, lots of population. Why don't we have a bullet train? We need a bullet train. The other one, of course, as you know, um, high-speed train, I think they're doing some testing once again, aren't they, between Edmonton and Calgary? They've always, always talked about a high-speed rail link there. Always. And then maybe extending it out to Banff. And I think that's the discussion that's underway right now. So... Those are the two areas I hear. Well, we have a guest going to join us here, Aaron Woodrick, director of the McDonald laurier Institute um, Domestic Policy Program, who says, you know what? Canada doesn't need bullet trains. We really don't. So let's find out why you think so. Aaron, thanks for joining us. Appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me, Shay. Hey, first of all, have you seen the movie? Did you go see the movie? I have. You know, I saw the preview and I went to see Top Gun, but uh, your, your your comments are not encouraging me of thinking it's <laughs> a worthwhile expenditure. Don't take my word for it, Aaron, because like I say, a lot of people really did like it. I think maybe it was just me. But regardless, let's talk about real-life bullet trains here. Now, um, it's, it's back um, in the spotlight again because of an unfortunate, although extremely humorous gaffe made by our environment minister last couple of weeks, right? Yeah, I mean, that was uh, really something that uh, we had the federal environment minister sort of promising to tour Canada by train. I mean, this has popped up from time to time. Uh, and I should say up front, as I think I mentioned, these, I'm a fan of trains. I mean, I personally love trains. Yeah. I think they're a great way to travel. It's not a sort of personal animus against trains that I make these arguments. But, you know, Elizabeth May made this argument when she was Green Party leader. She was going to, you know, campaign on the train. The reality is it's really impractical in a really large country with a really low population density. And, you know, I, I see people who look enviously around whether it's Europe, whether it's Japan, and sort of think, why can't we have those things? And uh, they're frustrated, and they think it's a simple matter of, well, let's just spend the money and build it. And, you know, I'm really just trying to point out they're perfectly logical, defensible reasons why we've never done it, and frankly, why it's probably never going to happen. Yeah, because you're right. I mean, it's been kicked around for as long as I can remember, and it's just never seemed to get anywhere. So what are these reasons? Is it is it just that we're too spread out? We don't have the population to support it? That's certainly part of it. I mean, part of it comes down to um, the opportunity cost. So, I mean, these are very expensive projects, right? We're talking tens of billions of dollars. Um, so you spend the money on that. You're not spending it on other things. And if you ask around, I think there are plenty of Canadians who would say, well, there are other higher priorities I have other than a train, especially if you don't live in one of those corridors, right? There's half the country does not live anywhere near where these trains would go. And then even for the people who live on those corridors, if you live in a small along the corridor yeah. and it may not stop there um, if you do get off there how do you get around town once you're there without a vehicle right so there's all okay. kinds of other sort of obvious uh logistical problem. Yeah, Aaron, I think you make a great point. And that's part of the discussion when we talk about Edmonton, Calgary. That's one of the things that always comes up is, okay, you've got this great link that'll get you from Edmonton to Calgary. Then what do you do? You know, you, you still need a way of getting around. And, and our country, whether we like it or not, has been built for the automobile in many ways. 
Yeah, that's the other reality is we have a culture here and, and it makes sense, right? When you think of this continent, it's mostly shared with the Americans in that uh, we have a lot of space. We tend to live in larger houses. We live in communities that are heavily suburbanized. Like Unless you're going to change that first, it's very hard to encourage people to just sort of switch. Unless, for example, I can see how people, if you live in downtown Toronto and you want to get to downtown Montreal or downtown Calgary, downtown Edmonton, maybe there will be people who will, who will get on that train, metaphorical train, so to speak. But for people who have to get to the suburbs or people who have to go stop at small towns it's just a giant headache once you get there uh so i think that's something that uh, that people need to bear in mind the other thing is lately it's become less about um you know it used to be about speed and efficiency it's about environmental benefits yeah. right trains are cleaner than cars so people sort of say well th- imagine if we get all these cars off the road and everyone's on the train and sets it sounds great but the problem is uh any of the studies and i've looked at a few including the one to calgary and edmonton the percentage of people that would actually get out of their carts because the benefit is in the switching, right? Yes. To get the environmental benefit, you have to get them out of the car into the train. It's very low. And in fact, we've seen with the, with one of the more uh, flashy proposals about 10 years ago between Calgary and Edmonton, they estimated that they could only reduce the number of cars by 5%. With the train, so I mean, you're not you're not getting the bang for your buck in terms of the reduction in emissions uh, that it, that you would hope to get, uh, because it, t- it turns out it takes a lot to induce people to get out of their cars. I'm wondering, you know, as you say, it, it, a lot of the climate discussion is is behind this, and uh, it makes sense that way. And we do some things uh, in the name of um, addressing climate change that don't necessarily make perfect sense, but the benefit seems to be there. I'm wondering when we move away from vehicles like we have now, we get to electric vehicles, which at this point, although who knows where, I mean, the the range will get better. Right now, it might make more sense in some ways to take a bullet train rather than a vehicle that you have to charge. I mean, could there be considerations that one day that equation will tip, Aaron? Yeah, it's possible, but there's also things leaning the other way, right? And I say this as someone, I live in Ottawa, we have a new light rail system, which has become infamous, infamous for its follies. Um, you know, there's declining ridership, of course, because of the pandemic. But the argument I make in the piece, uh, Shay, is that, you know, one of the, the two main drawbacks with driving are the pollution, right, yep. from the gas and traffic. Traffic jams are bad, they waste time. Um, if you look at how vehicles are, are even more and more uh, cleaner vehicles, so no emissions, um, and also smart vehicles, so eventually, someday, maybe 20, 30 years from now, we won't be driving them. We'll be driving around. That means they can speak to each other. That means there's no traffic. So the two main uh, the two main downsides to driving combustion self- cars that you have to drive will be mitigated. So that's going to further take away the benefit. Right now you get on a train, you don't have to pay for gas, you don't have to drive it. What if that happens when you can step into your own personal autonomous electric vehicle? I think that's going to make it a harder sell for people to get on trains. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it'll still be talked about, and I know there's work being done, but <laughs> you right. never dies. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Aaron, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thanks a lot for having me. You bet. That's Aaron Woodrick, uh, National Post column. Uh, sorry, he's with the director, he's the director of the McDonald Laurier Institute's Domestic Policy Program, wrote a column that appeared in the National Post.